I'm not 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
JM and the AM Yeshiva Boys with Ozva Hadar here at JM and the AM. Before that, you heard Milach Cohen uh, with the song Likvod Shabbat. Likrat Shabbat done by Shlomo Katz. The Chadodi in there from a Shabbat in Liverpool with the Schlockrock. As you're on a new, more from Shlomo Katz and Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 6.30 in the morning on a Friday on this May the 3rd, the 28th of ER. Good morning. The year 5779, Tufshin Ayn Today is day number 13 in the counting of the Omer. One week and six days. Today is day number 13. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim outside of Israel. It is Parshas Achremos. We got that? It's going to be three months of being off one Parsha with our brothers and sisters in Israel, which I have a lot to say about, but I won't do it now. I'm going to wait till uh, the next time Rabbi Heber joins us, then I'll complain to him. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow is Machar Chodesh, and of course, we will bench Rosh Chodesh ER. Rosh Chodesh ER begins tomorrow night. It'll be a two-day Rosh Chodesh, Sunday and Monday. Wednesday is Yom HaZikaron. Thursday is Yom HaAtzma'ut which is normally on the 5th of ER, this year being observed on the 4th of ER. And I remind you, this if you've never joined us at the Mizrahi for Yom HaAtzma'ut, this is the year you should, because Rabbi Menachem Liebtag is going to be in from Israel with a beautiful lecture for Yom HaAtzma'ut. Again, uh, Tefillah starts at 8 o'clock Wednesday night, followed by Rabbi Liebtag at 249 East Broadway. That is on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and I hope everybody will join us and uh, participate because uh, it, it's going to be a good one, that I can tell you. It is going to be a good one. Um, 50 degrees out there with 91.1% humidity. Winds are east at 5 miles an hour. Cloudy today with a high temperature of 58. Then tonight, showers and a low 55. Tomorrow, cloudy skies and a high temperature, 71 degrees. 67 in Yushalayim. We're at 50 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Yesterday I was informed of the passing of our longtime friend and supporter, Mr. Milt Feldman. Um, what can I say? There are some people I've met during this three and a half decade journey of speaking to a lot of members of the Jewish people each and every day. A lot of people that I've met and some have been uh, so encouraging, so supportive so full of pride with what we do here every day. And one of those people was Mr. Milt Feldman. And his funeral is taking place today. Our condolences to his family. And he certainly will be remembered with tremendous fondness in the studios of the Nahum Siegel Network, that I could tell you. Uh, again, our uh, warmest wishes of condolences to his uh, family from all of us here at JM and the AM. Friday morning, uh, weekly updates coming up. We'll do that at about 7.40 Eastern time. I'm also looking forward to speaking to Doron Peretz from World Mizrahi, scheduled to join us. And uh, Senator Simcha Felder, New York State Senator Simcha Felder, is on today's schedule as well for the 8 o'clock hour. So we've got an action-packed, and I mean action-packed, uh, Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. If you had to pick a Friday to tune in, you have obviously chosen well with this one, that is for sure. More coming up. 
It is, in fact, a Friday JM in the AM from the Nahum Single Network studios in New York. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. A big thank you to those who've gotten our fundraisers started. Uh, we've uh, started to uh, receive donations via fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And I want to thank everybody who, um, who's been participating already, including our good friend, Mr. Jordan Most and his family, who've donated to NSN and the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting in honor of the engagement of Benjamin Siegel to Kayla Levinson. Thank you very much to uh, Linda and Jordan. And thank you to uh, David Pearl of Brooklyn, New York, who has uh, donated $100 to our efforts. And Mark Leber, hope I have that pronounced properly, out in Roslyn, New York, 10 times high. Thank you very much. If you have not yet joined our 2019 fundraiser, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And we thank you for doing whatever you can in your power to keep us going every single day. More coming up. Yaakov Shweki at JM in the AM. שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה. לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עוד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה.
שאלוקים, והוא בורא עולם, הכוח של כולם שומע Peace, me. 
J.M. in the A.M. Birkat Habanim. That's Ohad here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, Mordechai and David and Od Yeshu. You heard Ma'amin done by Yaakov Shweki. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, coming up on Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh begins tomorrow night, so we will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh ER will be Sunday and Monday. Candle lighting for this uh, Erev Shabbos, 734 in New York. Today is day 13 in the counting of the Omer. Day 13, if you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. And don't forget, Wednesday is Yom Hazikaron. Thursday is Yom Hatzma'ud, Israel Independence Day. Somebody sent me a great email overnight. Hi, Nachum, wishing you a great Mazel Tov and the engagement of your son. The couple and their family should be blessed with good things to come. A few weeks ago, I stopped, I stopped you at the Young Israel to tell you how my toddler recognized your logo on the Hanukkah card. I'm attaching a video of her response to today's gift we received in the mail, an obvious reference to the uh, car magnet and um, luggage tag that everybody on, our, everybody on our mailing list received. Additionally, thanks to your broadcast, she hums Hatikva at the end of the shows. I'm a proud mother of a toddler listener. So thank you very much to a listener, Sarah, and I am... Um, I'm going to download that video. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to download that video and watch it. I'm sure it is great, and I greatly appreciate it. Friday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Plenty more coming up, including the weekly update, everybody. You know when that is, 740 every Friday, including today, Eastern Time, right here at JM and the AM.
Jam in the AM with Derek Achem and the Piasetsna Nigun. Simcha Liner before that with Pischili. Candle lighting 734 in New York on this era of Shabbos Parshas Achremos in Israel. It's era of Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim. Machar Chodesh tomorrow as Rosh Chodesh ER is Sunday and Monday. So we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh ER Sunday and Monday. Today is day number 13 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. And don't forget... Wednesday is Yom HaZikaron, and Thursday is Yom HaTzma'ut, as we get set for Israel 71 this coming Thursday. Very much looking forward to it. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, and web, and on the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background to our news from Israel coming up. Uh, Rav Daron Peretz will join us. Malcolm Honeline at 740, weekly update uh, today. Go through some of the events of this week. Um, 840 this morning, the uh, New York State Senator Simcha Felder is scheduled to join us before we sign off at 9 a.m. this morning. And table for two with Naomi Nachman is amazing today. Great guest list, Susie Fishbein. Chef uh, Seth Warshaw, Naomi Elberg, all part of the uh, program coming up at 9 a.m. Eastern Time right after JM and the AM. Then the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. It's a Friday. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM and the AM. גליצל השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. אישה וגבר נפצעו קשה בפיצוץ רכב בסדירות הנשיא בחיפה. צוות מגן דוד אדום העניק לשניים טיפול רפואי ופינה אותם לבית החולים רמב״ם בעיר עם פגיעות בגפיים. מסיבות הפיצוץ טרם ברורות. בעזה מתכוננים מארגני ההפגנות ליום שישי נוסף של אירועים לאורך הגדר זה השבוע ה-57 ברציפות. המארגנים הודיעו כי האירועים התקיימו היום בסימן סולידריות עם דמשק, בליווי הכותרת הגולן הוא ערבי סורי. זאת בעקבות הכרזת טראמפ על תמיכתו בסיפוח הגולן לישראל. כמו כן, בחמאס מאשימים את ירושלים בגרימת סחבת כלשונם, במגעים להסדרת המצב בעזה ומאיימים לחדש את שיגור הבלונים. מאות בני אדם ליוו היום למנוחות את מבקר המדינה לשעבר מיכה לינדנשטראוס שהלך אתמול לעולמו בגיל 81. כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל מוסר כי בהלוויה שנערכה בבית העלמין בכפר סמיר השתתפו מבקר המדינה הנוכחי יוסף שפירא ובכירים נוספים במערכת המשפט. מוקדם יותר היום ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו שלח את תנחומיו למשפחת לינדנשטראוס וכתב בטוויטר מיכה הקדיש את מרצו, כישרונו וניסיונו כשופט וכמבקר המדינה למען ישראל, יהי זכרו ברוך. סעיב עריקת, ראש הוועד הפועל של אש"ף, טוען כי מנהג הבית הלבן לכנות את יוזמת השלום האמריקנית עסקה, מעיד באופן ברור על כוונתם להטיל תכתיבים, ולא על חתירה ממשית להסכם באמצעות משא ומתן. עריקת אמר את הדברים למשלחת של מבקרים אמריקנים, בהם אקדמאים ואנשי עסקים, שהתארחו ברמאללה. עסקה מתרחשת כאשר צד אחד מוכר את רכושו בעקבות פשיטת רגל, ויש בה צד מרוויח וצד מפסיד, הסביר עריקת ועושה. חוזה שלום, לעומת זאת, הוא הסכם בין שני צדדים או יותר שבו כולם מרוויחים, כך הבכיר. מדבריו הביא כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. 
שרי החוץ של רוסיה וארצות הברית יערכו בשבוע הבא פגישה נדירה, כך מדווחת סוכנות הידיעות הרוסית טס. על פי הדיווח, סגנו של סרגי לברוב אמר כי השר ייפגש בשבוע הבא עם עמיתו האמריקני מייק פומפאו בשולי ועידה בפינלנד. כתבתנו אינה אנטונוב מזכירה כי מדובר בפגישה השנייה בלבד בין השניים, והיא תיערך ברקע המתיחות הגוברת בין המדינות בעקבות יחסן השונה. למשבר הפוליטי בוונצואלה. מזג האוויר, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות שתהיינה נמוכות מהרגיל בעונה, מחר התחממות. אלה החדשות.
Ari Goldwag. Name of the song is officially Moshe. Before that, the um, Esmach tune done by Miami. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Achrei Mos. In Israel, of course, it's Erev Shabbos, uh, Parshas Kedoshim. We're going to be off with uh, the Israeli Parshiot for about three months, which is not making me happy, but... Um, as I said, I'm going to reserve my uh, <laughs> I'm going to reserve my comments about this development until Rabbi Heber joins us on the air to discuss some of the calendaric uh, issues that we normally bring up with him. Um, I'm of the opinion that the world is so small at this point, and Israel is the center of our world that really we should make every effort to be in sync with the parshiot uh, immediately after Pesach. But uh, again. Uh, my attitude or my opinion on this has not uh, has not has not generated the support that I was expecting. 
What can I tell you? Those of you who are following closely, as you know that Yom HaZikaron is being observed on Wednesday and Yom HaTzmoud is being observed on Thursday. And you know that Wednesday night at the Mizrahi, we have Rabbi Liebtag starting at 8 p.m. with Filat Arvit Beruach Chagigit. And we have other programs we're going to be announcing, of course, for the New York and New Jersey area. Uh, you also know that uh, here at JM and the AM, we'll be doing a Yom HaZikaron Israel Memorial Day special on Wednesday morning. We'll be doing an Israel 71 Yom HaTzmoud Israel Independence Day special on Thursday. And we've been doing all of this for many years, three and a half decades, in fact. But Harav Daron Peretz, who's with us live via telephone, uh, created a uh, an amazing program uh, that was such a success last year that now it's been like quadrupled in terms of its participation. I think even more than that, frankly. Harav Daron Peretz, I am so happy to welcome him to these airwaves. He's chief executive of the Mizrahi World Movement, a title that he has held for the last five years and is with great pride. Uh, that we see uh, the Mizrahi world movement just progress like crazy under his leadership. Harav Daron, shalom, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. Wonderful. Just got in this morning. Always an honor to talk to you, and thank you for the very kind words of introduction. Much appreciated. This audience knows what I think of the job you've done at this point, and it's just remarkable. And I I didn't think there was a way to improve, frankly, on what happened last year, and yet... Uh, and especially because it was Israel 70, you know, everybody was so energized by it. And now we're at Israel 71, and look what you've done. This, am, am, am I right that this is like four times larger than what happened last year? Yeah, so just to explain what we did. I mean, thank God the success of uh, the pilot program we did last year in honor of Israel 70 is of bringing 70 speakers to 70 communities across the U.S. We decided to go global with it, and indeed this year have managed to bring it to 360 communities. Wow. About close, just about around 90, just under 100 communities in the United States. And then if you count the rest of the English-speaking world, plus, of course, we, this year in Israel, basically we decided to do is take the month of ER from this Shabbat, Erev Rosh Chodesh ER, from the Shabbat starting with America, through to Yom Yerushalayim, the last Shabbat in ER. There'll be 360 communities around the world, 120 in Israel. We're doing 120 communities in Israel itself, which is going to be next Shabbat. And then uh, this Shabbat in America, next Shabbat in Israel, and then in the ensuing Shabbatot until Yom Yerushalayim, it'll also be in in uh, in Canada, in the UK. There's 26 or 27 speakers going to the UK, speaking in over 50 communities. And they'll be also in South Africa, Australia, France, South America, um, a couple of other countries in Europe. And the idea is to bring a sense of Torah to Eretz Israel to as many communities around the world as possible. Unbelievable. The whole thing's incredible. So just so I have this straight, is the are, are the bulk of the New York, New Jersey presentations this Shabbat and next Shabbat? No, the bulk of all of the U.S. presentations are this Shabbat. Oh, this week. Th- wow. This Shabbat. This Shabbat, Parshat, what do you hear? Acharei Mot, which we read last week. This Shabbat, Likrat Yom Likrat Yom Atzmot, is taking place. Almost all the speakers, if not all of them, this Shabbat in over 25 cities, towns in the tri-state area and 28 cities throughout the United States, all taking place this particular Shabbat. So this essentially is the launch of Israel 360, we've called it this year. We chose also 360 because of a 360-degree connection, uh, that there should be a connection between, uh, you know, a complete connection between Israel and communities around the world, and also reaching far beyond, uh, you know, just our own, uh, you know, Mm. reaching far beyond... uh, 
you know, Israel, the United States. I want to just at the outset also, I want to pay tribute to our educational director, both of uh, Mizrahi in uh, the World Movement and uh, in the United States. He's based in Israel, Rabbi Ruvain Terrigan. We brought him on board last year, and he was the one who drove the Israel 70 for 70 project has, and has been integrally involved in driving it uh, throughout the world. So I want to thank him. And also, of course, in the U.S. context, of course, our executive vice president here of the Mizrahi National Movement, the RZA, Rabbi David Israel, has been obviously integrally involved in everything in growing and building it this year. So thank God it's all about partnerships, it's all about collaboration, and uh, thank God it has grown in leaps and bounds. Thank God. It is amazing. And, and, and you know, what's interesting, I'm sure you know this, that because of what happened on Acheron Shal Pesach here in the U.S. in California, uh, every rabbi and every Jewish leader has been reminding everyone that this is a very important Shabbat to be in shul. How wonderful and beautiful is it that not only will we have increased attendance, but all those extra people that are going to be in shuls this Shabbat will be hearing messages of Torah Eretz Israel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course... Uh very painful uh, and very tragic what happened, uh, of course, in, uh, in in California. But, of course, uh, it's quite amazing to see what good is already coming out of it. And yep. it's amazing about Israel Goldstein and President Trump, what he's done to yep. give so much airtime and, and, you know, and out of the darkness so much light and more attendance. And to have Torah Israel where it should be, to be able to bring a sense of Torah, which is intrinsically connected to the re- the revitalization of the Jewish people, the tremendous project of the State of Israel today, to have that, the Torah from Israel with communities around the world, indeed in the Shabbat, is something uh, very special. I don't have to tell you um, um, what's going to be happening Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, you know that Yom HaZikaron, Israel Memorial Day, will be commemorated uh, in many places, obviously all over Israel, but in Chutz Laaretz as well, I'm proud to say. And then Yom HaTzmud, Israel Independence Day, Israel 71 as well. On Thursday, and one of the benefits, uh, and you may not even realize this because you, you rightfully so, are concentrating on this Shabbat. Uh, one of the benefits of this program, Israel 360, that you're leading, is that we have some amazing personalities who are going to be with us during Yom Hazikaron and Yom Atzmut. That's not very common that we in Chutzlaritz get to enjoy these wonderful Israeli or people based in Israel personalities during these uh, wonderful holidays, and that's going to be one of the side benefits of this program. Yeah, absolutely. Meaning, some of the speakers are staying on. There's a number of Yemei Yun and seminars and learning programs, one in conjunction with YU and a couple of others, which are taking place throughout the country as well. Um, but as you've correctly said, some of the speakers are even then staying on for Yom Hazikron and Yom, Yom Atzmut, which is, of course, unusual. People like to be back right. home with their families and in Israel. Correct. And I hope, I hope and pray that in the coming years, that'll be the spin-off effect, not only the Shabbat, but as many Yemei Zikaron ceremonies and Yom Atzmut celebrations should be invigorated and given additional meaning through people from Israel, because, uh, you know, always Bo Bayom is something uh, extra special. Obviously, Shabbat has its benefits of more people are naturally coming to shul, and, and you've got the greatest audience. But at the same time, I do think um, inspiring or um, heartening both quantitatively and qualitatively, you know, the amount of people who participate and and the type of programming. Dafka for Yom and Yom Ha'atzmot is also a tremendous, uh, you know, ideal and something that uh, I'm glad it's starting to spin off and hopefully it'll uh, it'll uh, go from strength to strength. And I told you on a personal note how excited we are at the Mizrahi, Apoala Mizrahi on the Lower East Side of Manhattan to welcome Rabbi Menachem Liebteg on Wednesday night. Again, if not for your program, I don't know if that would have been possible, frankly. 
No, that's that's great. I'm very, I was very happy to hear about that. Of course, Rav Menachem is such a well-known and expert Tanakh teacher. He appears uh, regularly in our Hamizrahi magazine that we've invigorated. In fact, our, our Hamizrahi publication that you and I discussed this year is actually its first anniversary. We started a very tzanua, modest first publication of I think about 16 pages last Yom Ha'atzmaut, which um, which uh, which uh, came with the you know the speakers around right. and it was uh, you know so we started it then but thankfully it's grown into a 48 page um, publication of bringing mainly Torah to Israel to communities around the world it goes to over 800 communities around the world about 60,000 copies each time between 50 and 60 and that's also part of the message because you know a speaker who comes you know inspires but it's a one-off speaker and the idea of these publications is it's over the Chagim and it's uh, you know the modern Chagim it's so uh, we you know we just had you know Purim and Pesach announced for the next one's coming out this Shabbat for people to look out for it in shuls. It'll be for a Yom Ha'atzmaut publication, and the next one will be Yom Yerushalayim Shavuot. So the idea is around ten times a year, around all the Chagim, uh, to have uh, you know Torah to Israel permeating the experience for communities in Israel and around the world. And and by the way, you do allow people from Chutz Laaretz to participate by uh, including them, uh, you know, to write articles, etc. Trust me, Rav Daron. You, if you wanted to, you could put your foot down that only people living in Israel should be writing for it. But you're kind enough to allow some great rabbinic leaders and others to pitch it as well from the diaspora. Yeah, see, I think the, you know the aim was to bring predominantly speakers from Eretz Israel. I mean, even even the term Torah. It's not so easy to understand exactly what Chazal meant. There isn't one monolithic understanding of it, but in a, in a, in a simple sense, people living in Eretz Israel and, and parts sort of, you know, living geographically in Eretz Israel, fulfilling the mitzvah of Yeshua Aret, so bringing people from there to, to write and to bring sort of the gamut of speakers across, let's call it the broader Orthodox, uh, you know, Israel-focused um, world. But, of course, it's a global Jewish community on their many rabbis and rabbitsons and leaders who are playing a major role in their communities, living in Chutz Laaretz, and, and also so they're bringing a deep sense of commitment and connection to Israel, and therefore uh, it's a global Jewish community. So whereas the heart may be based in Israel, we should most certainly have uh, leading uh, speakers and writers having an opportunity to have a platform as part of this. Easiest way for a synagogue to uh, get the magazine, the Mizrahi magazine, what would you tell them? To be in direct contact with our office in the uh, you know, our national movement in the United States, RZA Mizrahi. They can see it online, very easy to find it, RZA Mizrahi, Rabbi David Israel, to send an email and to order it, and we will or to contact World Mizrahi, whatever they'd like to do online, and we would uh, gladly uh, provide, uh, I think that in the United States there are over 450 communities which receive it and a number wow. of other venues, and uh, we, uh, we, we, we're very happy to send it wherever people would like it. I know at least three, four shuls in this neighborhood get it. Now, Rav Daron, um, as someone who's listening right now, I mean, you, you know, obviously, there are people listening in, in different major cities around the U.S. and Canada at this moment. Where should they go to find out if their synagogue is hosting someone tomorrow for this Shabbat? Well, I would hope that by, by now they would know. I would hope they would know because I think, you know, each each community has, uh, has uh, you know, sponsored speakers to come out right. and has publicized it. So I would imagine that, uh, you know, um, I don't know offhand all 50, you know, to tell you exactly all, well, 50 cities and, you know, 90 communities exactly. But uh, well, I assume know, it's online it, somewhere, right? Yeah, it is online. Sure, if you go to the Mizrahi website and to the RZA website, they'll be able to find out, absolutely. See all the various cities that uh, I think Rotary are going to send to you a list of the, the towns and cities, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's pretty but, extensive. 
Yeah, it's very extensive. It's hard to, you know, know. but uh, I really would hope that uh, the communities by now would know because they've invested in bringing these speakers and partnered with us to bring them. So uh, um, I hope they would know by now. Unbelievable. I'll tell you, the program is just amazing. Uh, what you're doing, uh, you know, I mean, I, I say it publicly, not just to you, not just to you off the air, but I say it to this audience all the time. We admire the work that you are doing now leading World Mizrahi. And these two specific programs, Israel 360 and the magazine, that's really uh, year-round. But, of course, you can imagine how special the Omatz Mood edition is going to be, everybody. Uh, I think it, it's a, they, they are both amazing editions. Um, uh, to, uh, to, to the Jewish communities of the diaspora as we, as we pine to continue to bridge the gap between us and the state of Israel. So you have been, uh, you've been helpful in that area, Rav Daron Peretz. Thank you very much. Maybe two comments I'd like to just say. Number sure. one, it was an honor and privilege to have you and Miriam with us on uh, Yom Yerushalayim two years ago, the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Yerushalayim, and you made such a difference to our very special uh, celebration of thousands of people from around the world in Thank the Binyan the largest conference center and convention center in Israel. So it was very, very special to have you, and it was great to forge the friendship and relationship. And also just to add one other thing, you know, we're always looking for programs, and I just wanted to use this platform as an opportunity sure. also to mention it. We're always looking for programs in, in Israel and publications which are doing well in Israel and we feel could be adapted, translated, and brought to the English-speaking world. One of those we've just launched is a program in Israel called Tsurubimi Rabbanan. I'm not sure if you've seen it, otherwise mm-hmm. I will send you a copy of it. Please. I'll make sure it's sent to you. There's a program in Israel initiated by leading Talmud Chacham of learning entire Shulchan Aruch, the Halacha, from beginning to end. 300 sugyas of the Shulchan Aruch from the source all the way through in, in, to the Halacha Lamaseh, beautifully presented. Tens of thousands of people in Israel study it on a daily and weekly basis. So we've actually just in the process of translating it. We're on our second edition. There's about a few thousand copies we make. There are a number of communities around America which are really studying it. You can also go to the RZA website or the World Mizrahi website to see how to order Tzurva. There are many Tzurva Shurim taking place, and it's absolutely beautiful. We launched it just a couple of months ago, and the second one is actually now coming out for Yom, Yushal, for Yom Ha'atzmut, and about hundreds of copies have already been ordered. And the idea is that you can learn Halakha beautifully presented with English and Hebrew sources from the source all the way through to the Halakha on a program which follows weekly learning that over the course of five years you can finish the entire Shulchan Aruch uh, from beginning to end from the sources all the way through to the Halakha. So that's just another small idea, a small uh, project which can really be impactful of bringing Torah, which is so successful in Israel, bringing it to communities around the world. So look out for Tsurba. I'm going to send you a copy of it as well. That is what your secret is. Every time there's a major project, you just look at it as a small project. It, <laughs> it forces you to keep going and think of more projects. I think, that's you, your, I think that's your secret. And thank by the you. way, I must make a comment, and I thank you what you said about Jerusalem 50. And it's funny because yesterday during one of the shows, uh, um, my staff and I we were talking about, I'm not kidding, we were talking about Israel 100 in 2038. How do you like that? Huh? In 20, excuse me, in 2048. So you can imagine, you can imagine how, how I continue to dream over here in this studio. Um, but you are responsible, frankly. For one of the highlights of my career, and and you know the the Jewish music and everything that was involved in that event was wonderful. But when I say you were responsible for one of the highlights of my career, um, you 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 allowed me to be on stage with both Natan Sharansky and the soldiers from the photograph of the liberation of the Kotel Amaravi in 1967, as the four of them met each other, and you know. How For those of us who followed the Soviet jury movement and for those of us who have been inspired by what happened in 1967, you know the connection 
of what Jerusalem yeah. and the and the victory of 1967 meant to Soviet Jews, especially you can imagine one as spiritual and as deep as Natan Sharansky. And seeing that reunion or meeting, however you want to refer to it, was one of the most absolutely emotional moments of my life. So I thank wow. you for that. And I think everybody in the room, by the way, that day felt it. I think I think if they hopped it, if they hopped the fact that Sharansky was probably looking at pictures of these three for years, yeah. you know, in, in the old Soviet Union, they understood the significance of the event. So yeah, before. I mean, the truth is that event for me also personally, yeah, it was so em- emotional and emotive to see the three soldiers who thankfully all alive today yeah. and, and, don't, and don't get together that often and came and joined us on the 50th anniversary. And you had, as you said, Sharansky, who himself has said that what inspired him, he said, if, if a small country could stand up to these major powers and be so successful in six days, then he said, then little Natan, little Anatoly can do the same thing as we know <laughs> with the KGB. And, and here you had them all on stage and all of similar hearts and similar ages, and it was really, really very special. Um, so, uh, and, really and, I, and I believe her Avgorin's son was there as well, am I right? Yes, uh, yeah. he was there as well. Avgorin's son was there as well, which is very special as well, of course. Uh, Avgorin had passed away, but yeah. we brought Avgorin's son as well, which is also very special, so it really was uh, just something special. Rav Daron, Rav Daron, which community is lucky enough to have you this Shabbat, tell me. <laughs> It's kind of you. I've just arrived in Great Neck. I'm going to be in Young Israel of Great Neck. Nice. With, uh, Rabbi Luna, and nice. I've literally arrived in Great Neck for the first time, and wow. I'm about to go to Tefillah, to Davening, and I'm, I'm looking so forward to meeting the Rav and the community, and, and it's, uh, it's very exciting. Rabbi Lerner taught me in high school, please send best regards. Please. I definitely will. I say Chag Sameach to you for the upcoming Yom Atzmud, and a big thank you. Remember, because of you, we at the Mizrahi, Apollo Mizrahi in the Lower East Side have Rabbi Liebtag joining us on Wednesday night. Kol HaKavod, Rav Doron, and Shabbat Shalom to you. Thank you, and again, a special thank you to Rabbi Terrigan, who's driven the program, Rabbi Ruven Terrigan, Rabbi David Israel. We're working together very closely with and driving things together, the Executive Vice President of the RZA, and Michael Al-Khail, thank you to you and Miriam and the whole team. We look forward to lots of good things together. Yishar Koach and Shabbat Shalom. Tadaraba, Rav Doron Peretz, five years as the leader of the World Mizrahi Movement and has done an amazing job. And this Shabbat, everybody, in so many different communities in North America, you have such an opportunity to hear such amazing speakers. Uh, As I said, and as Rabbi Goldstein in California has emphasized to all of the United States, this should be a Shabbat that all of us make sure to be in shul. And the added benefit of that, as I said, is that so many of the communities and so many of the congregations are going to be enjoying these incredible speakers from the Mizrahi movement uh, with the Israel 360 program. Um, in addition, in addition, I appeal to everybody in the Manhattan area, Brooklyn area, Queens, wherever you are, or anywhere, New York and New Jersey, come and join us Wednesday night, 8 p.m., Tfilat Arvit Beruach Chagigit, appropriate Tfilah for Yamatzmut. And then just after that, about 8.30, Rabbi Menachem Liebteg, who is a brilliant Tanakh scholar and an incredible speaker. And we have him at the Mizrahi on Wednesday night. So join us and um, spread the word. I ask everybody to spread the word on social media and otherwise. Spread the word. More coming up, including the weekly update. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. It's from 8th day, of course. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos, day 13 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today before the 8th um, day selection. You heard Shlomo Katz with the Shana Haba. Malcolm Homeline coming up. We'll do our weekly update here at J.M. I want to thank those who've been uh, commenting on the app. Bakery Guy says, T-G-I-F. What a week in the bakery world. Thank God you guys are there to make it easier. Thank you, Bakery Guy. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I guess supplies and uh, <laughs> supplies and uh, baked goods were at a were at a minimum at the beginning of this week. Huh? I would assume so. Well, thank you very much. Uh, oh, listener Morris, thank you. First, he points out how often the humidity or the temperature is ninety one point one. LOL, because I announced the humidity for this morning at ninety one point one. And then he says, on another note, put me down for 201, which I assume means dollars. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody who has been supporting us already in our FJBUnity.org campaign for 2019. The campaign just started this week. Again, go to FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org to support JM and the AM. And I thank listener Morris and uh, everybody. We mentioned some of the names earlier who've already been uh, supporting us uh, during the 2019 campaign. Candle lighting 734 in New York. Weekly update coming up. We've got plenty happening here on a, um, a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. A reminder, 
A great edition of Table for Two with Naomi Nachman is coming up, a brand new edition. Susie Fishbein, the legendary chef and cookbook author, Chef Seth Warshaw of ETC Steakhouse, and Naomi Olberg of Naomi TGIS of Instagram, all, and Schlisselchala. Oh, maybe that's what bakery guy meant, that the Schlisselchala is making it a difficult job uh, or a difficult week. Um, all of them will be the guests of uh, Naomi Nachman uh, coming up on Table for Two. And that'll happen at the 9 a.m. Eastern time right after JM in the a.m.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, day 13 the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Macher Chodesh tomorrow. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh will begin tomorrow night. Sunday and Monday is Rosh Chodesh. And uh, Wednesday, of course, Yom HaZikaron. Thursday, Yom HaTzmod. It was amazing speaking to Rav Daron Peretz. Um, what a coincidence, huh? Uh, the Shabbat that uh, Rabbi Goldstein and uh, so many Jewish leaders and rabbis are asking people to be in shul this Shabbos, and it happens to be the Shabbos in North America that's being dominated by the uh, uh, discussions and lectures about Israel and Torah Eretz Israel through the Mizrahi movement uh, in advance of Yom HaTzmo'ot. Everyone take advantage, be in shul, and take advantage of all these different programs that are happening between now and uh, Wednesday night, Thursday, when Yom Atzimut will be celebrated. JM and the AM on this Friday morning. Haven't uh, spoken to a Malcolm Honline in a while. The weekly update now returns. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. And by the way, on a personal note, when I called Mr. Honline about the engagement Tuesday night of uh, Benjamin Siegel and Kayla Levinson, he reacted as if it was his own family, and I thank him for that. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Well, it is part of our family after all these years, and it's uh, very good news. And Malutav and Yishai, a lot of nachas. Amen. And now the... Tadarabai, appreciate it. Uh, are you among the Jewish leaders requesting that Jews around North America fill the synagogues this upcoming Shabbat? I think it's very important... And it's uh, it's the message to the terrorists that they can't win if people stay away from shuls, from from uh, institutions, schools, from any of our Jewish uh, centers. It would be a, a huge mistake. It it gives the, it's exactly what the terrorists want to do. They want to intimidate. They want to disrupt Jewish life. And we show them that the, uh, that we will be more resilient and even stronger in our commitment. Uh, I saw something that uh, one of uh, uh, my daughter sent me, uh, and I'm sure it's been circulated on the internet. But it said it was a sign that said, "Yom Hazikaron reminds us of the price we paid for the state. Yom Hashoah reminds us of the price we paid because we didn't have a state." Mm. And I think if people remember that the one thing that connects them is the word Zachar. That's the, the word chosen to symbolize the Holocaust and Yom Zikaron because we remember the price. We remember those who, who paid the price, how they lived their lives, not just their deaths. 
but remember the lessons so that future generations don't pay the price. So true. We pray that these messages actually have a profound effect on the Jewish community and every generation within the Jewish community. And I thought of you this week because um, I mean, I, I'm sure you agree that the 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 way that Rabbi Goldstein has presented himself and has represented uh, the Jewish world and the rabbinate and, frankly, I would say God, God as well, frankly, um, it has been remarkable. And you and I have spoken so many times over the last many decades how every time we open up our mouths, and you know, we do so, you more than I, obviously, but we do so in, you know, in, in unusual forums sometimes, we, we pray that the right words come out. Don't, don't you get the idea that, that, that God is right there with him every single time he opens his mouth to speak? I think it's, uh, he's absolutely been remarkable, and especially under the circumstances and what he did that day, um, remembering that he himself, uh, when we remember that he was shot himself, and yet he continued to speak and to be mechazik, to strengthen his own community, uh, I think was a really remarkable uh, demonstration and yesterday at the prayer breakfast. Um, I think that you know, we have to also show Hakar Satov. We remember all the people who came forward and the solidarity that was expressed in California, locally, and around the world to the to the people of Pondway. And this is um, unfortunately the new numbers that have come out underscore the the significance in Canada. There was a, this is the third year in a row where there's been a sharp increase, about almost 17 percent, and 22,040-some incidents, uh, and they blame social media. Uh, these are hate crimes, and the vast majority in every country are against Jews, including New York City, which came out with statistics and I think said 57%. Just from January to April of this year, 145 incidents, whereas in all of last year, 355 and more than half also against uh, against Jews. And I know the statistics uh, may not mean a lot. People don't have to remember them, but they have to get the picture to understand that they're not all the same. It's not all equal. Um, Germany, uh, there's been a 70% increase, and we saw this week neo-Nazis marching in makeshift uh, uniforms in several cities, and the governments are there allowing it, marching with flags. Um, the Third Way group, which is uh, tied to neo-Nazi um, uh, groups in in two different uh, cities that I know of, but we've seen these manifestations. But the numbers everywhere indicate a significant increase. Now, what's interesting in France, for instance, there were, I think, over 400, 500 attacks against Jews, but there were 800 attacks against Christian churches. The world is not looking at the um, at what is happening there, and right. they don't have the kind of reaction. So, it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. And this week, we did some programs together with Sheikh Alisa of the Muslim World Council, who's really been amazingly outspoken, courageous in his declarations and and uh, and his remarks. And I know this is a long answer to what you said, but. To me, this is and has been, as you know, for a long time, the number one issue, and it, it affects the security of every community. It's a cancer that crosses borders. 
people thought it was a European problem. I kept saying it's the mo- it will be the model for what's going to happen to us, both on a political level and on a security level. And the the, the truth is that we see it. And when the so-called newspaper of record could do what they did in publishing the cartoon, and then a second cartoon, which many people found even more offensive, and then to say that it was but a mistake in judgment, and then you know a second excuse and a third excuse, and saying, well, it wasn't intended, and then they finally decided they're going to no longer take um, what he calls syndicated cartoons. But there's enough story that got hardly any coverage. Two things. One, where they said that Jesus was a Palestinian, and now yesterday apologized for that, saying, well, they, they acknowledged that uh, in the area that was later to be called Palestine, right. and that he was a Jew, born a Jew. But the cartoonist who drew that horrific a cartoon of the president with Yamaka and Bibi leading him as a, as a dog, you know, he was interviewed and he justified it. He said it's the Jewish propaganda machine that is uh, responsible for the condemnations. He, he publishes in the in a Lisbon paper, L'Express, and no apology, quite the opposite, doubles down and shows that, in fact, he is, is anti-Semitic and, and, and a bigot. And he said it was a, a policy critique, which obviously uh, it, it wasn't. And the newspaper itself apologized to those who were offended for it, but defend him at the same time as they tried to, to justify it. But the fact that the New York Times has taken such a restrained response to, uh, chosen to take a, a restrained response and to go through all of the stages they went through, it tells you that they're, that they're not willing to face up to the seriousness of the moment. And uh, while the leverage may be limited, people do have options in terms of the media they read and and support, and advertisers have choices as well. Yeah, someone. It's funny. Someone said to me yesterday, a real estate agent in New York, that he's going to try to pull his listings out of the New York Times. Now, I don't know if that's a, a big deal or not. I guess it depends on the size of the real estate firm, frankly. Everything but, counts. But everything counts. Everything right. sends a message. And they have a, a stock answer because they did get a lot of calls from people. And and this time, it, it's interesting that it's not coming from the, what we would call, let's say, the activist community uh, or traditionally the, the segments that would respond. This is right. something that I think offended across the board. I know non-Jews who are equally offended by it. I mean, it's such a blatant violation of any standard. And how could they... You know, not immediately recognize it. Not first when they put it in, but second of all, then to say, well, it was a mistake of judgment, and and step step by step, you know, started to increase their as the reaction increased uh, their reaction to it. But it shows that there's a fundamental problem, and and it's true in much of the media, and the statistics that we I cited about the. Um, increases in you know 65 percent in France and 70 percent Germany. But in the United States, and and a sharp increase. So we, we you know, this coming on Yom HaShoah, the week of the, of the attack in California, and and all of these other incidents, and so many of the incidents don't go reported. Let alone what we're seeing on our campuses today, the the number of incidents that that 
are uh, horrific. Right. Just, I mean, it, people, you can't tell people everything because they don't believe it. And then right. they accuse me of being, you know, uh, negative. There's a lot to, it, lot to digest here. The, uh, on the New York Times thing, I mean, on, on the assumption that they're hiding behind, you know, the, the freedom of speech uh, um, uh, issue, um, we, we, have to, we have to, you know, ask ourselves and ask others what would happen if a different ethnic group or religion was the subject, or people, or state, or country was the was the subject of that type of cartoon? Um, heads would roll, as the expression goes, at the New York Times at the minimum, and they'd be groveling at the feet of different leaders of specific ethnic groups to make sure uh, they apologize to the nth degree. And we saw none of that. Not even not even a slight indication that they had that type of regret. I can't stand when I see if we offended someone, you know, we apologize yeah. type of thing. It's ridiculous. The conditional apology yeah. and, and uh, you know, it sort of shifts the onus to the people saying, well, you're very sensitive, but right. if you're so sensitive, okay, so we apologize. Uh, and, uh, and then when there's direct comparisons, I mean, if I was a if I was a journalist at the New York Times, I'd be very familiar with what enemies of the Jews and enemies of the state of Israel have portrayed in cartoons over the last few decades, including during World War Two, you know, which was uh, certainly the most obvious ones. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's a whole it's a whole segment of Jewish history. These cartoons, you go to museums and, you know, museums that, that have exhibits on anti-Semitism and these are front and center. But nobody at the time seems to know that. This is something could have been in De Sturmer and and uh, some of the other cartoons that have appeared, which did not get the, the response that they should have. And while we criticize and we might write and we react to it, people don't generally join in it. And I, I think there's a heightened sense of of uh, insecurity right now and of concern about what is happening, which is more than legitimate and and more than necessary. We have to let it be known. And we started a campaign yesterday together with Muslims and others, not to say uh, that uh, we must stop. No, it stops now. No more excuses. No more saying, oh, we must work at it. And we got No, it's got to be an absolute condition. No excuses. You stand with Farrakhan, you're condemned. When you, you, you an aid a bet, you, uh, either those who carry out the tax or those who support those who carry out a tax. There has to be an absolute standard. I think uh, Facebook dropped, um, um, what's his name, Farrakhan, uh, th- this week. But t- the fact is that he's been spewing this hatred for so long. And the social media network is a- an additional element that was not true 80 years ago that fuels this and enables even a small group or individuals to to incite and to engage in the kind of of uh, uh, rhetorical expression or any kind of other depiction, making charges that that lead young people to the kind of attacks that we have seen. Yeah, uh, there's another thing we have to point out: difference between 80 years ago, and this is in light of Yom Hashoah. We emphasized this yesterday during the show. We have to, and Rabbi Goldstein did, of course, and so many others constantly do. We have to acknowledge that so much of what the Jewish people have endured at the hands of the enemies over the uh, over the period of this long diaspora uh, was sanctioned by police forces and governments, etc. And and we are lucky enough, thank God, to be in a country even with all the incidents that you pointed out and the and the tone that unfortunately is you know in many different places. We're in a place right now where thank God, not just the NYPD, but police forces in remote areas that barely have Jews 
are ready to go in, as we saw in Pittsburgh and obviously San Diego, are ready to go in and, and protect Jews and do what's necessary to protect our houses of worship and our freedom of religion, etc., and that cannot be overlooked. The other thing I must point out, and believe me, these statistics are alarming, and I'm sure there are, even though we are begging people to go to shul tomorrow, I know there's some people who obviously, you know, are going to be sitting in shul, you know, wondering, you know, w- w- what happens, God forbid, if uh, if something occurs there and everyone's thinking of plans and strategy. And believe me, you, you more than anybody has been urging people for years to do that, to make sure to be as prepared as possible. Uh, but there's one other thing that, that on top of these episodes that's so disturbing this week, when you see what's going on at NYU and you see the votes taking place to eliminate, you know, the, over overseas study in Israel, and you see what's happening at, on college campuses that are dominated in so many cases by Jewish students, by Jewish donors, by Jewish heritage in their institutions, and that they forget about some of the remote, you know, campuses across the country, but the ones, you know, really associated with the Jewish people are taking steps both on a student level and an official level against Israel and essentially against the Jewish people. That is something something that is, it's mind-boggling to me, frankly. That situation, which is, you know, we've been monitoring and been working on for years, and we created SCAN, the Secure Community Network, and every Jewish institution should be in touch with them. Uh, Go to scnus.org and look up SCAN, the Secure Community Network, where they do training. They will help. Uh, but we're also going onto the campuses and doing much more. But it's not only NYU and Columbia. So here are New York City-based yeah. universities, let alone Brooklyn, let alone other places, colleges where it's become a hostile atmosphere. And we have cases which I won't detail today, but some a, a horrific where a student is told you cannot take this course because the other students do not feel safe having a Zionist in the class, and the university backs it. That's at NYU. Unbelievable. And we did a, a meeting of the conference presidents at NYU to show support, but we heard from the students. And I will tell you that a lot of our presidents walked out of there with their head spinning for the first time, hearing firsthand accounts of what goes on and, and, and the fear of walking with the yarmulke across the quadrant and of any other display of a Jewish display among another or something can subject somebody to violence, harassment. And uh, and and it's becoming more and more sophisticated. You know that they exposed the anti-Eurovision, which Israel is hosting this year, campaign the BDS campaign is using bots, which are robotic responses in in using the internet, which so the Russians had developed some time ago. I mean, it's a much more sophisticated and uh, often more dangerous um, approach. And it, you can close a, a hundred websites, and a thousand will pop up. Right. So it, it's a it's a whack a mole situation, and the the uh, universities have to take. Uh, responsibility, and that's why we're doing the lawsuits, and we're doing uh, through lawfare, and of each of every all of our elements, all of our, our our efforts and energy that we can put to to this, because it is it is training the next generation of Americans to be to be haters. And again, overall, they reject the American people reject anti-Semitism. Overall, young people will reject anti-Semitism, but when you see the significant numbers and the it be, they start to become inured to it. It becomes uh, uh, almost acceptable. Yep. And, they, and whether it's under the guise of the beat, uh, boycott divestment sanctions, you know, attacking Israel is a kosher way of attacking Jews. Right. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web and 
on the Nahum Single Network and on the beloved NSN app. And I thank those of already who have donated to our 2019 fundraiser. Go to fjbunity.org to be one of our donors, fjbunity.org. But what's so frustrating, and I don't know if the presidents who sat with you at NYU understand the, the extent of this. What is so frustrating is that so many of the efforts that you just described on these campuses are being led by Jewish students, are being led by, by students who come from Jewish homes. And it's bad enough when when the enemy when the enemy is making sure to uh, you know th- to support and to lead these causes, but when it's members of our own community, it's just it is so so much more frustrating, frankly, and more more dangerous. Yeah. and um, uh, I think it's a, a reflection of some of the needs of the community to reassess both our educational systems and the fact that the majority. The majority of Jewish youth are just not involved, and the majority of young people overall are not involved. They don't care, but that also leaves the way for those who are very committed to these issues, who have been brainwashed, who have been misinformed, who have been propagandized, who follow a leftist professor. And by the way, we see Jewish faculty and, and pro-Israel faculty, a Jamaican-born professor at DePaul University, um, Jonathan Hill, who, who wrote an op is a philosophy professor, regard, highly regarded, who wrote an op-ed piece that was pro-Israel, is now being hounded and, and uh, harassed, and they're demanding his removal, etc. We had the president of uh, Fitzer, who stood against the attempt to break their program uh, ties to the University of Haifa. Um, they're demanding his, his resignation and, and or expulsion. Now, again, it's a minority, but the minority, it gets to be dominant when there isn't a majority speaking out. So our young people, first and foremost, within the community, they have to be educated. They have to understand what this is about, that, you know, they can criticize the policy of Israel, but this is, this is not what this is about. And they're easily manipulated or intimidated because they don't feel they don't have the information, they don't have the confidence to respond uh, to these false charges and often become full victim to it in groups like uh, Students for Justice in Palestine, et cetera, cannot be allowed to function. They are anti-Semitic. They're hostile. They're not a crit- criticizing a policy of Israel. They're engaged in something far more uh, uh, more malignant and, and malign. And I think we have to uh, make universities stand up and take notice. That's why the San Francisco State University uh, capitulation and, and um, uh, you know, giving in and finally on the and acknowledging the mistakes that were made in the mistreatment of Jewish students is so vital and and we can't replicate on every campus but every campus can see that they will be subject to the same kind of action if they tolerate and and don't take the proper steps to protect the rights of Israel, pro-Israel and Jewish students and one other thing, by the way, as the New York Times continues to contemplate whether the President of the United States is a white supremacist or, you know, or an absurd lover of Israel, you know, because they can't make up their mind, frankly, uh, it, we have to acknowledge, especially in light of yesterday, Yom HaShoah, and think about, you know, uh, Jewish leadership in, in other countries uh, during Jewish history. And we have to acknowledge the comfort with which he makes our community feel at the White House and the things he's done. Uh, his relationship with the leaders of Israel, etc. I mean, I, I know that a lot of people are uncomfortable with certain things he does, but you can't deny uh, what he has stood for when it comes to being there for Israel and for the Jewish community. I think that has to be acknowledged as well. It, it absolutely 
uh, you know, it is not a question of a political endorsement. It's not a question of agreeing with him on everything. But when you look at the, the accumulated record of what they did on, on Jerusalem, on the Golan, on, on the military assistance, on so many issues where uh, the appointment of the anti-Semitic, anti-Semitism um, monitor, the, the special envoy, both domestic and the international, every area you, you look where they have taken a strong stand, and in, including about anti-Semitism, that doesn't mean you have to agree with him, and you don't have to vote for him, but you do have to have hakarat atov to some acknowledgement of the things that, that are good. In the same way that you have a right to criticize, you have an obligation when good things happen to say thank you and to to show hakarat atov to the American people, to Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, who still continue to stand. And when you you have... Uh, Democratic candidates for the president who refuse to take a stand on a lot of the issues and to be clear in their condemnations and criticism. It's easy for them to say that the attack in California, you know, to say something uh, critical of it. But even there, it's qualified and and not the kind of response that is really appropriate to the to what is happening. What do you think of Ilan Omar and uh, her response to the uh, California shooting, expressing the sympathy that she has for the for the victims, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, sometimes, sometimes I think it's better for some of these um, the, some of these members of government and politicians to keep quiet on certain issues than make themselves look foolish by coming out with statements that are completely, anti, uh, completely uh, the opposite of the way they normally present themselves, frankly. First of all, the, 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 the people who, uh, I don't mention names, her name, because I don't want to build her, right. them up, I, but you do have to name and shame and identify Again, remembering that they are a small minority, even amongst the freshman class, and uh, but they're but the media is magnifying their influence and giving them a platform, even when so often their comments are inane, and um, you know that they Islamophobia is an uh, anti-Islam uh, stands and crimes are bad, but there is a small percentage of the total number of, of hate crimes. Not everything is equal. All hate is unacceptable. Anytime a person is a victim, it's not acceptable. And we speak out. And, and if you saw the latest polls, it shows that uh, Jews are the least Islamophobic group in America, and Muslims tend to be um, uh, have much less than negative views of uh, 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 other groups. Uh, I think 45% of Muslim American groups said that they had favorable views of Jews and 10% negative. Again, that's what a poll, and people know what to say to a poll, but right. you know, the, the people like her are, are driving wedges in society and are exploiting issues for their own political purposes, but, and she appears together with groups that are blatantly anti-Semitic. Uh, it's the other members of Congress and it's the Democratic Party who first and foremost have a responsibility to stand up and speak up about it. And too often, those the voices of our good friends are muted. Yeah, no question about it. Um, how's the new Prime Minister of Israel doing? I hear there was an election recently in Israel, and that the new Knesset has been sworn in. 
<laughs> they, yes, they have sworn at the new Knesset. Uh, I mean, swore in the new Knesset. <laughs> and Yuli Edelstein was elected for the third time uh, unanimously as the speaker, which I think is a remarkable tribute to him. You know, he was an Asir Tzion, one of the prisoners of Zion, right. uh, fought uh, in the battle together with Cherensky and people in the uh, long time ago. And uh, he's been a close friend for, for decades. Uh, so I think it's a remarkable uh, expression, the fact that some members stood away because they don't pledge allegiance to the state. Uh, unfortunately, the government's not formed yet, and maybe a little while longer, and uh, you know, it's because of the close margin, it gives some small parties a lot of leverage. So can I call B.B. the new prime? I mean, seriously. Just he is the new prime minister. Oh, so he is officially well, the prime minister. Well, he was given the nod, and he is officially the prime minister. As the Knesset goes into session, he is the prime minister. And now it's just a matter of getting the numbers straight. Now he needs to put the government together, right. which means a coalition of 61 plus in order to get things through the Knesset. I mean, it can have minority government uh, also, but it's it's not effective. And the the um, if he's, he, he said that he may not meet the deadline, they get an extension. But if you don't uh, get a government by the second extension, then uh, the opposition gets an opportunity. If they can't, then they go to new elections. Oh, gosh. Well, which nobody has a stomach he, for. He nobody sh- wants. He should be able so to. I'm confident that they will get a government together. <laughs> uh, there will be a lot of shifting of portfolios, so people you're used to talking about as ministers will not be in the same positions. Interesting. I mean, shockers or, you know, with things that have already been Some negotiated? Be surprising, I think, to people. Really? That's interesting. What do you think of the effort to uh, name a town up in the Golan Heights after President Trump? I don't know that that's his uh, prime location, where they maybe want to have a hotel and a resort there or something. But the uh, I think the gesture of recognition, you know, we still have many towns named for, for Roman officials, for others uh, over the years. Um, uh, people don't know that Netanya was named for Nathan Strauss, right. who was an American philanthropist. So right. I think the president, what he did on the Golan, the recognition and stuff, maybe it's certainly in a... A nice gesture to, to of recognition. Certainly would be. All right, anything new? Remember, we haven't spoken in three weeks. Anything new about the Middle East peace plan coming out of Washington or basically the same as we knew three weeks ago? Well, we didn't know what it was three weeks ago. We still don't know today. But there, but, were, cer- but there were certain elements that, that came... closer to the time when it will come out. But there were certain elements that came out that there was no demand for yeah, Palestinians. Yeah, but some of it's not true. And people should not just buy into some of the rumors, you know, the Jordanian option, this option, that option. Jordan is in plenty of trouble. They don't need this right now. There were, the, yesterday, they dismissed many key members of the government, including the head of intelligence, which is always a very critical position, and the, the because of a supposed plot uh, of some kind against the king. Uh, and we've seen the demonstrations again, so he doesn't need it. The answer is that very few people know what's in it. We've seen very few hints. One, that it's not likely to talk about a two-state solution. It's not. Talk, it's going to be more steps, economic uh, uh, program for building. Uh, supposedly, the Saudis offered the Palestinians ten billion dollars if they go along and support it. The Palestinians are saying we're not going to have anything to do with it. I'm um, rejecting something that they don't even know yet. The details. I'm sure they know some because they know the discussions that they've had. But the the um, so this is likely to be a proposal to put on the table, tell the parties, and the only way to succeed is if the parties themselves come to to an agreement on it. They say there'll be things Israel won't like, there's will be a lot that Israel will like, and the same thing for the other side. 
that's what a negotiation is about. If you have 100% of what you want and the other side has nothing, that's not a negotiation. It's an imposition uh, of a plan. And, you know, given the uh, instability in the region and the, what we've seen now on the Golan, the increased efforts of Iran and Hezbollah together with some of the Syrians uh, to, to establish themselves, to build um, intelligence and data collection, as well as to try to move in the equipment and the infrastructure necessary for uh, the war in the north that they still contemplate and they still aspire to. Uh, they know right now they want to bide their time because they're going to do it when they feel it's in, in their best interest. Uh, they're Shiite militias to the north and east of, of Damascus um, that have fired on, on Israel and, and pose a threat. And the uh, the people of, of, of southern Syria want to see... Um, want to see a solution. So do the people, most people in Lebanon do not want to have a, a war because they pay a heavy price for it. And at the same time, they have missiles in their, in their bedrooms. Um, and the, uh, the, and the Syrian government is, um, it kept its promise not to harm the rebels and uh, even those who sought aid from, uh, from Israel. But at the same time, we've seen the tolerance of uh, the Iranian command center in Syria, uh, the buildup of facilities and manufacturing facilities within Lebanon. Uh, and they, they still want Hezbollah as the vanguard. You know, you won't see Iranian troops per se, but Iranian-backed militias, often foreigners, that where they have moved the Shia population to replace Sunni populations. Uh, they they are not giving up on the desire to be able to have some sort of a dramatic action against Israel, not to win a war, but to to cause damage to to be able to show that they can carry out these kind of uh, uh, maybe a land invasion, some sort of an attack, especially after the tunnels are no longer uh, a, a viable option, as Israel has exposed them. I'm sure you spent some time over Pesach discussing the downfall of the Iranian economy, and I know that the bulk of that is because of the uh, uh, of the drop in uh, oil exports. Why, why is it that that China does not participate in these sanctions and continues to buy oil from Iran? Is it the price? It, it, well, first of all, China doesn't abide by anything. It, go, it does whatever is in its interests, and it gets more than half of its oil from Iran. They continue to buy it, although decreasing. There's about a billion dollars worth of Iranian oil sitting in a place called Dayan. It's a port in, in China, and their their um, refineries, et cetera, don't have the capacity to, to refine the fuel. Um, it was put there by the Iranians for safe haven and thinking that, they would be able to to sell it later. That the sanctions. The fact is that even Chinese companies have to think about twice about doing business and and importing the oil uh, because they know that the sanctions uh, from the United States will be very costly for them. There were seven or eight countries that were given passes. You know, were allowed to buy when the sanctions were given, sort of an emergency waiver. Uh, Greece, Taiwan. Uh, forgot the third country that uh, unilaterally moved to cut off down to zero. Other countries are moving to zero. Turkey won't. China won't. Russia won't. But they can't use uh, this oil. And UAE and Saudi Arabia have said that they would increase uh, production to uh, to compensate. The power of the sanctions is clear. And even the Iranians are saying the Europeans' promises are worthless. They're useless in this. They're bypassing it, looking to, to Russia. 
the the um, impact in the economy is amazing. The real continues to drop. The IMF said in the International Monetary Fund said this week that the inflation will be 50, 60 percent. The the drop in the currency value about 60 percent. That the um, uh, barrels they, they, a year ago it was two and a half. Uh, a million barrels per day, and now it's down to less than a million barrels and dropping every day. Wow. And this is the core of their economy. And the people are willing to take this on, you know, even though their their holdings, their savings, everything has been so greatly devalued because they want to see these guys, this regime out. Unbelievable. All right, two quick things because I had to wrap up. First of all, the um, I, I heard a Torah giant say this yesterday, and I, I hope people listen carefully, Thursday is Yom Atzmaut, and no matter how one does or does not celebrate, there's nothing wrong, even during Sfirata Omer, in his opinion, to acknowledge that there is some type of holiday and great day on the Jewish calendar, in this case being the uh, uh, 71st anniversary of the State of Israel. So I hope people, at, at, at the minimum, at least approach the day from a positive standpoint. We talk about you know, things happening from within and, and attitudes of the Jewish community from within. Let, let's make sure to at least acknowledge how great the day is this coming Thursday. And, and lastly, Malcolm, I, I, I think you really alluded to it, maybe even more than alluded during this conversation. But I think it's so important to point that, especially in light of the uh, reaction uh, that, um, you know, that Americans of all backgrounds had to what happened in North San Diego. And that is we don't realize, you know this because you're on the front line of it, uh, people don't realize how much bridge building is really going on out there, and that yeah, there are you know certain ethnic groups that that tend to be represented more than others. Unfortunately, when it comes to terror and and you know being the bad guys, we understand that. But at the at the at the minimum, we have to acknowledge that the majority of people that you're meeting with, especially leaders of other faiths and religions, have no other interest other than having real bridge building with the Jewish community and other faiths. Uh, I think that that is true. It, it is not enough, and and there's still too many who are indifferent or who, you know, um, respond uh, on the moment, but then the ten minutes later do not react properly when whether it comes from within their own groups or from other groups. That we see the the manifestations of hatred uh, across the board. We saw the price in Europe that has been paid is being paid. The same things are happening here in terms of political centers. So people. Uh, you know, we have to fight the polarization. We don't want to see Israel become a partisan issue. We don't want to see anti-Semitism be a partisan issue. It has to be everybody, and everybody has to be held to account. And if your elected official isn't doing the right thing, hold them to account, local, federal, everybody. Um, and and it's true on the international community as well, but it's not something people can necessarily feel that they can impact directly, although business people who do business abroad can and should make their voices heard as well. No question. And, and the you, you are right that this is a unique moment. Uh, it's not 1938 because we have a Jewish state and a Jewish army and a Jewish air force. Think of what the world would be like, God forbid, if we did not have Israel uh. at a time like this. And if people don't show that hakarat tov, whether they say halal or don't say halal, whether brach without a brach, that becomes the debate. That's not the, the issue. Show that we have a Jewish state, that we have... I mean, if you just look at the amazing discoveries of the last few weeks in Israel, every single thing, every single one, consistent with Tanakh, unlocking our past to remind us of our responsibilities to the future. 
this is a time people sit and talk to your kids, explain to them what is happening, and first educate yourselves about it so that that we raise a generation and and they, they will feel confident in standing up for Israel. Malcolm, I thank you. We'll speak again next week. Happy Yom Hatzmut. And you too. <laughs> thank you very much. And a wonderful Shabbos. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good to have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Achremos. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Achremos contains 28 mitzvos, two positive mitzvos, and 26 restrictions. Primarily, the list of the arayos, the prohibited sexual and immoral relationships that the Torah speaks of at the end of the parsha, that which we read as well on Yom Kippur in the afternoon. Interestingly, the first part of the parsha deals with Avodas Yom HaKippurim. I'd like to share with you this morning an exciting insight and understanding of the Gra, the Vilna Gaon, and this is found in Perek Yudches Pasuk Hey, chapter 18, Pasuk 5. I'd be honored if you brought the Chumash to the table tonight or tomorrow and look at the Pasuk and I ask you, how would you understand the Pasuk? And I want to show you the different ways that the Pasuk can be understood. The truth of the matter is that while we still have the taste of matzah in our mouths, I'd like to share with you this exciting teaching of the Vilna Gaon as found in the Sefer Aderes Eliyahu on Parshas Achrimos. In Vayikra 18.5, we're taught, Ushmartem es chukosai v'es mishpatai, you shall observe my decrees and my laws, asher yaseh osam ha'adam, which man shall carry out, and by which he shall live, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. Okay, now, how is this to be understood when the Torah says, by which man shall live? So, interestingly, both Rashi and Targum Unculus understand the term to refer to not this world, but to the world to come. And the Torah, according to them, is assuring and promising reward in the next world. The Gemara in Yuma, Pehei Amebez, 85b, in providing sources for the law that says, 
that saving a life overrides the Shabbos, where does this come from? It teaches that after submitting several possibilities, Shmuel points to our verse, this one here, and says that this Pasuk of Vachai Bohem, this is the primary source that mitzvos are to be lived, and therefore, except for the three cardinal sins of idolatry, adultery, and murder, all the laws of the Torah are suspended to save life. And thus, in keeping with this understanding that the verse is referring to life here and now, the Gra teaches that mitzvos are the source of life for the Jew. V'chai bohem. Just as we are taught regarding matzah, that the Zohar in Parshas Titzaveh 183b calls matzah michla de'av de'asvasa, the bread of elixir, meaning it is a form of medicine and healing, and michla dimhem nusa, bread of faith. And I really believe that that last expression of bread of faith may be taken literally, that in addition to the flour and water, one of the benefits of ingesting matzah is vitamin F, vitamin faith. It helps the Jew believe. And therefore, when various crises occur throughout the year, the injection of vitamin F assists the Jew in responding with faith. Similarly, the Gra teaches, inherent in all mitzvos is a spiritual reservoir that enriches the soul. This is true not only in regard to positive mitzvos, but as the Gemara in Kedushin, Lametesa Mabes 39b teaches that if one withstood and did not violate a negative commandment, it is reckoned on high as if he did a positive mitzvah. However, while this understanding of the hidden treasures found in the mitzvos might be an attractive and alluring factor to observe the mitzvos and thereby enrich one's soul, it is for this reason that the apostle concludes, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, to teach that the ideal performance of the mitzvos is for His sake and not for one's personal enrichment. And indeed, this is how the Gra understands Birkas HaMitzvos. First, we acknowledge in each bracha that we recite, Asher Kitshonu B'Mitzvosav. What does that mean? That He, Hashem, has sanctified us with His commandments, which in of itself is an incredible commitment of Hashem to the Jewish people. And perhaps 
this by itself would be sufficient motivation for a person to perform a mitzvah, namely, to derive the personal, spiritual elevation and closeness to Hashem. Therefore, the bracha continues, Vitzivanu, and he commanded us regarding that particular mitzvah, teaching that ultimately we're to for, we are to perform the mitzvah because he, Hashem, ordained the performance of that mitzvah. The highest form of service is to focus on serving the master who orders the mitzvah rather than what and how the mitzvah benefits and enriches the one who is performing the mitzvah. Thus, performance of mitzvahs provides a double benefit. It nourishes and enriches one's body and soul and allows for a personal service and relationship with Hashem. Interestingly, the Gra similarly teaches that this is true in the realm of the violation of transgressions. As the mitzvos maintain and nourish the individual, so too, in a natural way, Averos sins cause a degeneration and atrophy of the soul. And just as in the natural world, if one ingests poison, the deadly effect is not a punishment, but a natural consequence of one's actions, so too the negative action has a deteriorating effect on the soul. And this is all too familiar to us regarding the effect of non-kosher food on one's neshama. As the Torah teaches in Parshas Shmini, Vayikra, chapter Yud Aleph, Pasuk Mem Gimel, 1143, the Torah says, lest if one eat macholas asuros, forbidden foods, vinitmesem, literally understood, it means you will become defiled. However, the spelling of the word leads our rabbis in the Gemara Yuma, Lamitesa Maralev 39a, as vinitamtem, which means that the non-kosher food will dull and weaken the soul. And this is true regarding all the negative commandments of the Torah. And interesting, the Gra draws this conclusion from his sharp analysis of the effect of Adam's sin. Hashem advised Adam in chapter 2 of Bereshis to eat of all the fruits in the Garden of Eden. And interestingly, notes the Meshachachma, that had he eaten from those fruits first, it could have fortified him to withstand the temptation of eating from the forbidden fruit. Hashem warned him that were he to eat from the Tree of Knowledge, he would die, understood by the Ramban, 
as becoming mortal. Thus, when he does eat, why, asks the Gra, is his punishment to work the land with great difficulty, that the land should yield thorns and thistles, to gain his bread by the sweat of his brow, his punishment should have been, now you are mortal. And the answer is, as stated above, man's becoming mortal was not the punishment. It was the natural consequence of eating from the forbidden tree. Hashem said, on the day you eat, you die. That is now a natural characteristic inherent within the tree. However, in addition, Adam deserved to be punished for not listening to Hashem. And that punishment consisted of the above listed curses. And thus, V'chai Bohem teaches that the observance of mitzvos is endowed with spiritual vitality, while the effect of Averos is decay and atrophy of the soul. However, once again, the verse ends with the sublime admonition of Ani Hashem, don't do mitzvos primarily to build yourself and your character. Ideally, do the mitzvos to serve Hashem. Having begun with V'chai Bahem and the obligation to sustain life, I'd like to close by remembering the Kedoshim of the Shoah, who, if they could trade with Gentile prisoners their ration of bread for soup, many of them did so, so as to not violate eating chametz on Pesach. Those who had to eat chametz to fulfill v'chai bohem, I want you to listen to the emotional anguish that accompanied their eating of chametz on Pesach by the prayer composed by the rabbis in Bergen-Belsen that they said this tefillah should be recited prior to their eating of chametz. And if you note the language, you'll see that it has that familiar ring of Hinani, Muchan, Umezuman that many recite on the night of Pesach prior to the observance of mitzvos. Here we have the following. Avinu Shabashamayim, and I read the translation thereof. Our Father in heaven, it is known and revealed before thee that it is our will to do your will and to observe the holiday of Pesach through the eating of matzah and by not violating the prohibition of chametz. For this, our hearts are grieved that our enslavement prevents us and we are in danger of our lives. Behold then, Hinani Muchan Umizuman, we are prepared and ready to fulfill your commandment of 
v'chai bohem. You shall live by them and not die by them. And to carefully heed the warning of Ushmartem Ma'od Lenafshosechem. Take therefore good heed and guard your life very much. Therefore, it is our prayer unto you that you, Hashem, keep us alive and preserve us and redeem us speedily so that we may observe your statutes and do your will and serve you with a perfect heart, to which they recited, Amen. May their fulfillment of Achai Bohem under the most extreme and challenging conditions inspire us to fulfill and appreciate Vachai Bohem in happiness and excitement leading up to Ani Hashem. Shabbat Shalom to all.
celebrate 80 years a life of courage through times of senseless hate say to your ways kept that smile and wiped our tears away promise us there'll come a time when we'll always say chavis now chavis now J.M. in the A.M. with Eighth Day. It's Shabbos now. Well, it will be soon, that's for sure. Today's day 13, the counting of the Omer. 13 is one week and six days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Machar Chodesh tomorrow. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh E.R. Rosh Chodesh E.R. is Sunday and Monday, which means it begins tomorrow night. Don't forget Yom Atzmuot is Thursday. Yom Azikaron precedes it on Wednesday of this week. Candle lighting here in New York, 734 on this Erev Shab as well. Our amazing friend, the Honorable Simcha Felder, is with us live via telephone. He serves in the uh, 17th District of the of, in New York State, New York State Senator. Um, Senator Simcha Felder, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you for having me, and of course, a big mazel tov to the entire Siegel family. Greatly appreciate that. A lot that. of nachas and good health. Baruch Hashem, we could share this news with so many people. I thank you for that. Uh, so how did it go, Cholamoid? I didn't realize that you were suddenly dabbling into the world of Jewish music and entertainment and, and amusement parks for the people of your district. They they must love their senator for what you were able to pull off on Cholamoid. <laughs> I would say we were dabbling in trying to provide whatever we can in terms of services for the community. And this is, this past Kalamite, we had one day in uh, Tuesday in Flatbush with Kojo Flatbush. On Wednesday, we had it with the Bar Park JCC. It uh, was a free fun day, health fair, full of rides and entertainment where families could come and literally spend the whole day without paying a penny. Free, pretty amazing, and I'm free, sure I'm free. sure I'm sure you met thousands of people from our community. Hashem, from everywhere, from everywhere. So it was really I I can't thank Hashem enough that the that we were able to provide that service to so many families, um, and uh, they want more. That's all. I'll say. <laughs> not <laughs> not just Cholamoid, huh? <laughs> That's it. They're looking forward to the next one in Yerushalayim. Not, yeah, not just Cholamoid, but it is Cholamoid. They want every day of Cholamoid. <laughs> That's right. That was the discussion. Baruch Hashem, they were complaining that it was it was so good. They'd like it every day. Well, it must have been a lot of fun. Baruch yeah. Hashem, you were able to do it for the district. Uh, I, I am sure you are among the uh, government officials and uh, and Jewish leaders, frankly, leaders within the Jewish community who are encouraging people to be in shul this Shabbos. Um, you know what happened, obviously, in the north of San Diego this, uh, this past Shabbos, on Achron Shul Pesach. Um, have you gotten a sense locally here in New York that the NYPD and the local public officials understand the sensitivities and that as much as we're begging people to make sure to be in shul this Shabbos, there could be people who might hesitate to do so? Yeah, of course. I, th- I think the, uh, the NYPD and the federal 
federal agencies, they, they're all on top of their game. But, but, but we, we must take into account that there are a lot of people. First of all, there are people who have lived through tragedies that really, really uh, shakes them up, to say the least. And people, uh, people uh, are concerned. You can't, you cannot uh, make light of it. No but uh, Mitz Hashem, uh, life continues, and uh, go to shul, you go to school, you do whatever you have to do, and Hashem will protect us. And I'm sure that um, that you have, uh, again, in your capacity, been reassured by uh, the NYPD and the precincts in major Jewish neighborhoods that they are going to pay careful attention to our neighborhoods. Repeatedly, yeah. repeatedly. So people should realize that. And, and, and I mentioned earlier during the weekly update, thank God it's not just in the major neighborhoods. Right. Uh, police forces all around the country pay careful attention now to Jewish houses of worship. We have to be yes. thankful for that. But you, of course, have such a dense Jewish population in terms of the numbers that uh, people are obviously concerned they should realize that local officials and law enforcement officials are on top of it. We're speaking with Senator Simcha Felder, who's with us live via telephone. All right, you have a couple of really significant things, uh, free events uh, that are that are important events, and we'll explain why, uh, coming up in your community uh, that people need to be aware of. Uh, one is a free hearing screening, and boy, can I, <laughs> can I sympathize with this one. <laughs> a free hearing screening collaboration with MedStar SBH. It's happening on Thursday May the 9th, that's this coming Thursday, at 209 Avenue P, uh, starting at 1 p.m. And this is just a great opportunity for people to get a free hearing screening, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. And, uh, and uh, you have to make an appointment, but it's entirely free. And the, sometimes people don't, realize, don't even realize that their hearing is, is, has been affected. Yeah. And it uh, has nothing to do with age. Obviously, when you get old, <laughs> I should say, <laughs> I, I can't say that was wrong. I can't say it has nothing to do with age, but you'd never, you never know, that I would say. So, first of all, if they call my office, 718-253-2015, 718-253-2015, we can send them a card with... A variety of events that are at no cost that are really free. Uh, we had we were going to have a free glucose and cholesterol screening on May 16th. We have uh, and, uh, the New York Metro card bus that comes to the to the Borough Park and the Flappish locations on May 30th. I, I have a whole list of events so. I, and again, at no cost. This is right. specifically supposed to help constituents. Um, and uh, if, if, they, if, you can, if your listeners would like a card or uh, you know to get the information, just call the office and we will send you uh, details. Seven one eight two five three two zero one five. All right, free hearing screening. Again, if you're in Brooklyn, listen carefully. Free hearing screening. In collaboration with MedStar SBH under the leadership of um, Senator Simcha Felder, uh, happens this coming Thursday, May the 9th, at 209 Avenue P in Brooklyn, beginning at 1 p.m. If you want an appointment, you could literally call his office and set that up at 718 253 2015. Then there'll be a free cholesterol and glucose screening going on in Borough Park on 16th Avenue at 46th Street. That's happening on Thursday, May the 16th. From 10.30 in the morning until 1.30, again, same phone number, call the number, make an appointment. It'll be absolutely free, just need an appointment, 
718-253-2015. And as you heard Senator Felder say, the Metro card bus, which is a big help for people. I know when it comes around this neighborhood, people love it. Uh, it'll be in Flatbush on uh, Thursday, May the 30th, starting at 10 a.m. And it'll be in Borough Park on 16th Avenue uh, on Thursday, May the 30th, beginning at 1 p.m. And obviously, as we get closer to that, we will remind everybody uh, courtesy of uh, of Senator Felder. So, uh, Senator, a lot of good things going on for the community. It's not just Holomoid. You see, you have important, right. you have important stuff going on even when it's not uh, Yunta for everybody. That's so, right. Baruch Hashem. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for what you did over Pesach for everybody. I know that a lot of people joined me in saying that. And a big yeshikov for providing these free services to the constituents. Thank you very much. And again, you and Stacy and the whole family should continue to make simchas and good health. Amen. Yeshikov to you and Shabbat Shalom. The Honorable Simcha Felder, uh, he is the senator, New York State Senator in the 17th District. Call his office. He means it. They'll give you the list of everything that's available in terms of screenings and tests uh, that are happening for free. Plus, of course, the services like the Metro Card Bus. They'll let you know the next time it's in your area. Call them at 718-253-2015, 718-253-2015. couple of things before we start wrapping up here on AJM and the AM Friday. Um, and again, a reminder, candle lighting at 734 here in the New York area. Remember, we have a big week ahead. Wednesday is Yom HaZikaron. Wednesday is Israel Memorial Day. Thursday is Yom HaTzma'ud. I know that Mayor Weingarten is busily preparing a whole bunch of material for Thursday as we get set to celebrate Israel 71. Um, so that's all going to be happening uh, here at JM in the AM starting at 6 a.m. Wednesday with Yom HaZikaron and 6 a.m. Thursday with Yom HaTzmaut. So keep that in mind. Also, as Rav Daron Peretz told us earlier in this show, he is, um, he is leading an amazing Israel 360 effort, meaning that there are hundreds of locations in North America where this Shabbat, uh, special guest speakers are bringing Torah Eretz Yisrael to different communities, including, uh, not Shabbat for us, but including this coming Wednesday night when Rabbi Menachem Liebteg visits the Mizrahi, Apollo Mizrahi, here at 249 East Broadway in Lower Manhattan right after Tfilat Arvit, which starts at 8 o'clock. And boy, are we looking forward to it. I hope everybody in the sound of my voice who wants to hear an amazing Tanakh lecture comes out to the Mizrahi on a Wednesday night for Yom Ha'atzmaut. So call uh, out of Doron Peretz and check out what's happening in your neighborhood and participate. This is a Shabbos, as Rabbi Goldstein from California has been reminding everybody that everyone should be in shul. And coincidentally, Baruch Hashem, we have all these special guests coming in from Israel to be part of this uh, pre-Yom Hatzma'ut Shabbat, which is happening, uh, obviously, uh, around the world, including in Israel, where they have a, a bunch of lectures going on as well. Coming up next, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. Listen to this. Susie Fishbein. Chef Seth Warshaw, Naomi Elberg of Naomi TGIS, all coming up as part of the show starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Then the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That starts at 10 a.m. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. JM Sunday with Matis starts at 7 a.m. this coming Sunday morning. So there's a lot going on, plenty happening, and I hope everybody continues to stay tuned in all day long to the Nahum Siegel Network. You'll be glad you did. Oh, no, we're not up to Achenu yet. We're up to saying uh, that it's time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun. 
is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Hey, by the way, happy birthday, a very, very happy birthday to Robbie Rosenwasser. Robbie, happy birthday to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. 
wraps up an amazing week for us here at JMM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Naomi Nachman's next with Table for Two. Thanks to those who have already donated to our incredible fundraiser for 2019. Much appreciated. Go to fjbunity.org. Give generously. fjbunity.org. And please give generously. Have a fabulous Shabbos, a wonderful weekend, everybody. Till um, and a big thank you to everybody on the uh, on the Mazel Tov wishes for Benjamin Siegel and Kayla Levinson. Much appreciated. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. Uh, Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you: remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>